Welcome to Let's Talk About Life, a podcast brought to you by LifeBank, the organ, eye, and tissue recovery agency in Northeast Ohio. Donation can be a complicated subject, but it is really all about life. So spend a few minutes as we unravel the complexities of donation. So come on, let's talk about life. As part of the donation and transplant community, I get the pleasure to attend some really fantastic events and fundraisers. This past December, my husband Ernie and I attended the Cleveland Clinic's Transplant Rocks event. It was awesome. The fun thing about this event though, is that the band that played is made up of clinic staff members, including my very own nephrologist, Dr. Richard Fatika. I gotta admit, this band was awesome and they really filled the dance floor all night long. At one point in the evening, they had a program to talk about the reason for Transplant Rocks, which is that the funds they raised are donated to the clinic's Patients Assisted Fund for transplant patients who may need a little help financially. A great cause for sure. However, the highlight for me was at the point of the program, they introduced Maria and Reginald Roundtree, stunningly dressed in traditional Ghana attire with large drums strapped to their side. Hi, you're listening to episode 116 of Let's Talk About Life. I'm your host, Colleen Gerber, kidney recipient and LifeBank staff member. We're so lucky to have as our guest today, Reginald Roundtree. After playing one or two songs, Reggie shared with the crowd that he was a heart transplant recipient. In a matter of seconds, I knew I had to share the story with you. Reggie, thank you so much for being on Let's Talk About Life. My pleasure. As I mentioned, we connected that night and it was so special. I, I loved your performance and what you and Maria do with the drumming. It's, it's fabulous. Yeah, drumming is a major part of my recovery. Can you share a little bit about your transplant journey and how it all started? My transplant journey, oddly enough, started um, October of 2008. Because in October of 2007, I was on the shores of Ghana, West Africa, helping build a power plant for the indigenous people there. I used to be a counselor at OSU Talbot Hall. So when I got through with, yeah, when I got through with that, I said, let me go do something different. So I did that and I was building my house right there on the beach of Ghana. Oh my goodness. <laughs> and I needed a little extra cash, so I finally come home. And one year after <laughs> me arriving home, one year to the day, I had a massive heart attack, a widow maker. Oh, Wow. Yeah, that's what I said. Oh, my goodness. Now, you and Maria were married at the time? No, uh-uh. No? I was too, mm-mm. How did you and Maria meet, and when did you guys get married? Uh, we met at church. I don't know if that's our first date with the church. It was during Kwanzaa season, so we were Was you it know, here celebrating. in the States? It was, a, it was yeah. in Columbus? Mm-hmm. In Columbus, oh, yeah. So you didn't meet her in Ghana. Oh, looking forward to going back because um, I have property there, at beachfront property. She has some property, and 
Well, how wonderful. How wonderful. How long yeah. have you been married? 10 years. 10 years is last month. It goes by yeah. in the blink of an eye. I know. Yeah. Your transplant journey. So- yeah. Because um, I had um, that heart attack and then I had a uh, heart pump on my side. A bag that I carried called a left ventricular assist device, an LVAD for short. Right. And and I had it for 10 years. <gasps> but when I, yeah, the average life expectancy of an LVAD is only five. It always amazes me when people share that they walked around for years with a mechanical pump. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. And, you, and I did everything, yeah. I was going to say, and you lived a basically... I hate to use the word, but a normal life. Yeah, I'm glad and proud to say normal life because with the LVAD, as with most heart conditions, you have to have a get ready for the new normal, you know? Yeah. yeah. And you go on from there. And so you had this LVAD for 10 years. Yeah. And in that 10 years, I was an LVAD ambassador. This basically meant I went in the hospitals. I was at Ross Heart Hospital originally. Mm-hmm. And then I went to all the ancillary hospitals around and talking to people who were either having heart issues or recently had a heart um, LVAD or even transplants at that time. And so you shared your story with them. Yeah. And just words of hope and encouragement. Which I'm sure everybody needs if they're walking around with an LVAD. Sometimes, but sometimes it's just an ear to listen, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm on the board of TRIO, Transplant Recipients International. Mm. And we do a monthly like Zoom support for all recipients. And it, you're right. It's just a place to go where people understand what you've gone through or what you're going through. Because it's like not you... written in a book, you know? No doctor can tell you, oh, expect this and that and... <laughs> Because it's not, when it's an individual's life, basically, their action's a little bit different. And every case really is a little bit different, unique. When did you get to the point when you knew you would need a heart transplant or something more permanent than the LVAD? Well, at the time, the LVAD was working, so I let, you know, let it work for me. But once I started uh, getting infections, I knew that, you know, ultimately I had to have a heart transplant. So I had, I began to work up. You waited how long before you received oh. your heart? Oh, Cleveland Clinic is great. They only, about two weeks. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. That's amazing. It was amazing because I was at Ross Heart Hospital at OSU for 10 years. Okay. And I go up to Cleveland and it was two weeks. Nothing had changed, just, just the way they do things. Yeah, yeah. They're, they are much more progressive in their heart program. Um, Indeed. Yeah. So you got to be in lovely Cleveland, Ohio for, for yeah. a while. Did you stay at uh, Transplant House by any chance? Of course. Of course I did. A great place. Uh, my sister and my wife stayed there. You can't rave enough about it. They just love the people there, the staff. They're so welcoming and accommodating. Transplant House is like our favorite project. And we feel it's important to give back to recipients as well. And so we 
do drives and fundraising and all kinds of stuff for Transplant House of Cleveland. And they are amazing. It's a home away from home when you need one. Definitely, definitely. Again, it's that, you know, being in the environment where others are kind of going through the same journey or a similar journey. And it's really good that even after our, our transplant stay, we continue to give to the transplant house. We always take up there when I have a, a an appointment. I always take up a bunch of food and stuff and leave it there. And this the staff is so grateful. Aww. We make donations and stuff, financial donations, food donations, and yeah, yeah the, the the staff is just friendly and welcoming. They are. They're wonderful. They're a bright sunshine when you all you can see are clouds. Yes. Yes, that's a great way to put it. That's a great analogy. When you got that call that there was a heart available, mm-hmm. or when you were told that there was a heart available, how did you feel about Actually, that? Um, it was a heart, it was an offer for a heart. I really even like the way they presented it, you know. Yeah. Share that experience. Well, I was at the time I was doing my normal things, running around. And then he called me because I was kind of going downhill. Um, and they took the time and effort to offer me a heart. Needless to say, you know, I'm literally split. I went up, <laughs> went up 71. My wife was doing the driving at the time. So, and so we left that night. Yeah. So when was that? That was August 5th, 2020. Right at the height of the pandemic. I was going to say, yeah, that is COVID. Yeah, which has really worked out good for me because it gave me like a whole year to really, you know, get used to the new normal. My new, new normal. Your new, new normal. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And not be around people so much and and, take care of yourself. Yeah. What were your feelings like when you get that call? Adrenaline just starts pumping. What What were your feelings when you got that call? Well, I'm a really deeply religious person. And, you know, when a call came, it was supposed to come. So I always said, you know, people come ask me, how come I don't get a transplant when I had the LVAD for so many years? I said, in God's time, not mine. You know, when God says so, it is so. That's a beautiful way of looking at it. Yeah. And did you have any feelings about the donor, the the person who donated his heart upon his death or her death? Well, I was grateful, obviously. But ultimately, in the big picture, you know, I have to give back and I have to give because they gave, you know, they had to pay it forward. I know a lot of recipients have some survivor's guilt about receiving ah, a gift of life. And, excellent, you know, well, excellent point. Excellent point. Yeah. And, and, you know, working at Life Bank, I know 100% that the donors were not going to survive. It's irregardless if they are able to donate or not. They are in a position where they are deceased and they are not going to survive. So exactly. I really feel that, like you said, it's God's time. There is a season, right? You know, exactly for life and death. And the fact that we could give life to me, it's so profound. But more importantly, is that the person accepts life. 
Yes. Some people don't accept it. You're right. They can't accept it. Yeah. I find it such a connection between the heart transplant, the beat of a heart, and the beat of a drum. Here you are playing the drums, and it's all about beat. It's all about rhythm. And your heart is in it. Yeah. Am I being too philosophical? No, no. <laughs> or, You're not being you philosophical enough. Because our first memory is our mother's heartbeat. Wow. Boom, 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 boom. And you go back to that. And you just bring it forward. Because it's like the rhythm, the rhythm of nature, the rhythm of life. Things happen in a rhythmic rhyme. <laughs> and heart transplant is part of the rhyme and the reason. I don't disagree. What is the history of the drum? Can you share it with our listeners? The drum is a very basic instrument. It's just skin. In the Ghana, skin, ropes, what they use vines, <laughs> and wood. And that's, it's mainly a communication device. It communicates uh, events, ceremonies, but also communicates joy. Beaten fast, it makes the person want to dance. Beaten slow, it's really like almost meditative. You know, like a mantra, boom, mm-hmm. boom. The beat and fast, it, you know, boom, 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 boom. And big people want to dance. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Do you feel like demonstrating a little drumming for our listeners? Sure. And then there's a slow. And that really aligns a person to think about what's really going on. Mm-hmm. It has a way of stripping all the stuff that, you know, on the outside away. I, I visited over a thousand people in hospital rooms to share about the rhythm and really to impart a little philosophy as they move forward. I always share with some my favorite scripture in the Bible. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. And that's so powerful because that's the point where people feel alone. Mm-hmm. People feel vulnerable. But just to know that there's someone there, no matter what you're going through, no matter how the outcome's going to be, Ryan, I'll be with him either way. Mm. So profound. Is there anything you want to add? Thank you for the donor, and trust me, I'm paying it forward because it allows me to not, you know, sit on my laurels, as it were. You know, just kicking back. No, either you play, you share, share your story, and not necessarily just your story. Share your survival, and I can't, you know, end this without talking about. The power of support. And you're talking about your family, your wife? Primarily, but there's secondary. There's other systems of support. Even in Ross Hart Hospital, 
the social worker, we had a, a meeting we went to every week in the beginning that people just come in and they could ask questions and answer, you know. And there were other people there who had all different variations of time. They said, oh, I could do this. I, how are you going to do this? And how do you deal with that? And the medications or... Yeah, yeah. Whatever. Support is really important. You can go online and get support. You can ask other people for support. But the thing is, you can't read about support. You what? actually actively have to seek it. You're so right. I would say that this journey of being a transplant recipient, it's lifelong. It's not just the surgery. It's lifelong. Yeah. And you need that support all the way through. You know, mm-hmm. you know, I still find comfort and wisdom in people that have been on this same journey and what they feel and what they have experienced and what they have to share. It's a wonderful thing. It is. It is. You it kind of gets you to the point where you don't, like you say, suffer fools lightly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You kind of like weed out the unnecessary things. Well, oh, your tire got flat. Oh, that's a shame. <laughs> Deal with it. Go on, buddy. Well, absolutely. Somebody said there's two rules in life, and one of them is don't sweat the small stuff, and the second rule exactly. is everything is small stuff. You know exactly. I just kind of keep going. Yeah, you just kind of yeah. keep going, right? But I like to take that rule a little bit further. Everything is small stuff and it all matters. <laughs> there you go. Well, Reggie, we thank you so much for sharing your story with us. And my um, pleasure. Anytime. It was wonderful. I, I truly enjoyed your and Maria's performance and it made my night. I thought that was just fantastic. It, we, it made our night because as soon as we were, we talked to the uh, social worker, Chris. We instantly accepted because we had to share our story and what it meant to us, the whole experience. And as a result, uh, several of my friends have gone up to Cleveland and been reevaluated for uh, art situations. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Yeah. And if you have to have it, I hope that you have a caring cardiologist like I had. Dr. Mentis was great. Was she? She just doing great eye contact and, you know, just parents, you really felt like, I see you, you know? And I hear you. Not that you're not, yeah, not just a file. They're artists. They are. And Dr. Sai, who used to work at OSU, he's an artist, a true artist. He could put an LVAD in without stopping the heart. We're so fortunate. We're blessed. We are. We really are. Well, God bless you, Reggie. Thank you so much for being on. He already did. That's why I'm here to talk to you about it. (laughs) And that's why I share it with everybody. (laughs) You said it. My goodness. Well, we appreciate you sharing your story with our listeners. And, you know, why don't you send us out with a little drum beat, a little song? (laughs) Right. We got to get in a heart. It starts now. Go. (laughs) (laughs) Love it. Love it. Thank you so much and have a wonderful day.
You too. We hope you found today's episode informative and inspirational. You know, you can save lives simply by going to lifebanc.org and registering your donation decision. You can catch Let's Talk About Life on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, but you can always find it at lifebank.org. We thank you for listening and we hope you come back next time. And come on, let's talk about life. Thank you for listening to Let's Talk About Life. If you have questions about today's podcast, reach out to us at info at lifebank.org. Take a few minutes to do something heroic and register to be an organ donor by saying yes at lifebank.org. Literally, someone's life is dependent on it.